the Dutch News Podcast, and this is the first special election day podcast we have in store for you today. Uh, in this episode, we will be discussing yesterday's big debate, the very latest polls, and we will bring you up to speed on what's been going on in the Netherlands on this fine election day. It is a fine election day. Yeah, Paul, it's a it? perfect voting weather. Yeah, the weather is uh, the weather is excellent. Yes. Yesterday at five o'clock, His Majesty the King officially accepted Prime Minister Mark Rutte's resignation, and therefore the entire cabinets. Uh, this means that Mark Rutte's cabinet is the first cabinet in 19 years to complete its full term. Yeah, so very impressive. Yes. Uh, com- uh, uh, congratulations and compliments to uh, the Prime Minister. And polls will close today at nine o'clock, and so we're hoping to have some election results in later on this evening. So maybe we will know tomorrow or by Friday who the next Prime Minister is going to be. Uh, and what probably time. tomorrow, yeah. but not during the night, I think, because they have to do everything by hand now because yeah. of the uh, hacking uh, issues we have with Russia. Right. Uh, um, but it, there's no way of telling when we will know the exact results, but it will definitely be tomorrow. And uh, the coalition forming portion of this, Paul, what, how long does that usually take? When can we expect to... Uh, that r- really depends on uh, how uh, willing everyone is uh, uh, to uh, uh, form a coalition. Uh, the last coalition between VVD and PVDA was the fastest uh, 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 coalition to be formed. It took... Uh, Three months. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, at least three months, we can say. Yeah, so we'll, we will be discussing the coalition forming for the next few months. On uh, well, uh, if Mark Rutte is involved in the uh, coalition forming, he's notorious uh, uh, for having a ra- absolute radio silence regarding the coalition. Uh, so we will be uh, reporting about a lot of closed doors yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, speculating what's going on behind denial it. Denial we'll, of interview requests. Yeah, deni- yeah, absolute radio silence. Uh, there are amazing uh, videos of Mark Rutte stepping on his bike after a coalition talk and then, uh, 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 you know, uh, passing the group of journalists and saying, uh, good day, good yeah. day, uh, radio silence, bye-bye, <laughs> see you tomorrow. And uh, that's the only thing he will, he will say. So, um, yeah, there is absolutely no way of saying when, when we will have a new government. Well, we will bring you the, uh, the news as it, as it comes out, <laughs> yeah. whatever, whatever may sort of slowly drip out of the, uh, the Rutte, the Rutte discussion if he is involved. Yes. Um, so, uh, what happened, uh, over the weekend? Well, a lot of things happened over the weekend. Uh, Dutch-Turkish tensions continue to escalate with the president of Turkey calling the Dutch government Nazis this week. Uh, the row started when Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte said that Turkish politicians shouldn't come, uh, to the Netherlands to campaign on behalf of the Turkish president, uh, Erdogan, regarding an upcoming referendum on April the 16th ahead of Dutch national elections. The Dutch government was concerned about the uh, public safety of the planned events as well as the perception of such pro-Erdogan rallies ahead of Dutch national elections, uh, which have focused heavily on issues of immigration. The two governments were uh, in talks uh, uh, regarding the campaigning when the Turkish uh, foreign minister essentially dared the Dutch government to try and stop him from holding an event in Rotterdam over the weekend. The Dutch government did by revoking the landing rights of his aircraft. Uh, the Turkish uh, family minister responded by driving over the border from Germany, but she was blocked from entering the Turkish embassy in Rotterdam and sent back to Germany. This resulted in rioting in Rotterdam. The resulting police crackdown has been played up in the state-owned Turkish press, and Erdogan claimed the Netherlands would pay the price over the dispute, despite the fact that the Turkish constitution forbids politicians from campaigning abroad. 
So I, I think this is mostly happening uh, because Erdogan just needs someone to beat up on ahead of his uh, ahead of his referendum on uh, April 16th, which greatly expands his own powers. Yes, and reduces uh, the power of anyone else, basically. Right, which has been a sort of slow progress uh, of, of marching towards, yeah, anti-democratic measures in Turkey that's been going on for several years. And uh, this is not the first country that this has happened in. There was also some uh, banned rallies or some some. Uh, German government intervention in preventing this from happening um, in in Germany as well. Uh, Both the Netherlands and Germany have very large um, Turkish expatriate populations uh, who are eligible to vote uh, in the referendum on uh, April 16th. So this has been a big thing sort of in the press in the Netherlands and also in Germany. Yeah, and it is an unprecedented uh, diplomatic uh, escalation, at least for the Netherlands. Uh, uh, I I can't remember uh, something like this ever that ever happened to the Netherlands. I mean, uh, in in Istanbul, the Dutch consulate, they they tore down the Dutch flag and they uh, they flew the, uh, the Turkish flag of the Dutch consulate. I mean, this is unprecedented. Yeah, and what's uh, been particularly troubling, I think, is is that the the t- the, the Dutch government uh, invests very heavily in the uh, Turkish economy. It's the largest foreign investor in the Turkish economy. So usually this means that, you know, the Turkish government is very delicate in its sort of handling of diplomatic situations with the Netherlands. And that seems to have gone uh, quite out the window. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, it's a NATO ally. Yeah. And, and we have an association treaty with uh, with Turkey. Yeah. And, uh, and indeed, the Turkish uh, uh, economy depends heavily on, on Dutch investments, as well as Dutch tourists that uh, come every year in uh, in the millions to Turkey right um, yeah uh, uh, Erdogan is, uh, is is definitely willing to uh, put this all on the risk uh, in in order to extend his powers yeah so the what I've been reading from some uh, Turkish journalists uh, Zeynep Tufekci in particular has been saying that essentially this is kind of framed as Erdogan needing an enemy that that he needs someone to sort of beat up on to kind of uh you know fear monger a bit ahead of the uh, the referendum and that uh that yeah that the uh, Dutch to and to a lesser extent the German governments have sort of become this kind of scapegoat um and that the pictures of kind of the riot police reacting in Rotterdam have have been played up uh, immensely in the in the Turkish press yes and Erdogan is uh, uh, is is not uh, doing some efforts to de-escalate escalate the entire thing. Uh, no, he's only escalating it by calling the Dutch government Nazis. Yes, which, and, uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, yesterday he uh, he claimed that uh, the Dutch was responsible for a genocide in uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina in the in the late 90s. Yeah, referring to the uh, the incident that happened at Srebrenica, which is uh, a bit uh, interesting considering the Turkish government's ongoing denial of the Armenian genocide that happened uh, at the beginning of the 19th century. Yes, even though the, the, the genocide in Bosnia was done by the uh, Bosnian Serb army, of right. course, and not the Dutch. Um, yeah, so uh, things are escalating quite rapidly. Uh, the uh, European Union President Donald Tusk uh, responded on Twitter this morning. Uh, he tweeted, uh, Rotterdam is destroyed by Nazis. Today with uh, Moroccan-born mayor, anyone seeing fascism there is detached from reality. Uh, we are Europeans and we are proud. In fact, he initially actually tweeted this in Dutch. Yes, yeah, it was literally in Dutch and also uh, and an English an translation. Angela Merkel, uh, she uh, sided with the Dutch as well. So uh, now the question is, how is this uh, affecting the the polls and the election here in the Netherlands? Well, Rutte's handling of the situation has been viewed mostly favorably. I think 
uh, here. Uh, so I think that that has been good for him, which the polls have kind of shown. Um, the polls, the latest polls, which we're going to get into in just a second, uh, basically show VVD up, Desesestich up, and uh, the PVV down, which uh, I think reflects a bit perhaps the... Um, yeah, concerns about immigration and, and such here and the, uh, the the unwillingness or the maybe perhaps the thought process of having someone like Wilders at the helm who has uh, uh, called for, yeah, all sorts of, you know, he he they, they, he staged a protest in front of the Turkish consulate in uh, The Hague, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, has called for uh, all sorts of, yeah, banning of, of these people and expelling of diplomats and that sort of stuff, which would probably serve only further to escalate the situation, which I think everybody kind of sees as a bad thing, that it would be better if we could sort of dampen the tensions down a little bit. Yeah, and, and Rutte is really perceived as a statesman yeah. right now, and that will only work in his benefit regarding the, the elections. Right. Um, Interestingly uh, enough, uh, Geert Wilders left the VVD party originally because uh, it was his opinion uh, opposed to the VVD's opinion that uh, Turkey should never join the European Union and was kicked out of the party because of that. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it all comes back to Turkey. It all comes it back, seems. and and the 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 latest uh, the last cabinet that uh, didn't uh, uh, completed its term fell because of the Srebrenica uh, uh, right. disaster. Yeah. So a lot of um, things from the past are uh, coming together now in this election. Yeah, interestingly enough. So what is going on in the latest poll? You've got some uh, some in from this yes. morning, I think I saw. Um, the latest poll that came out was yesterday, yesterday afternoon, and that showed, uh, interestingly enough, a major drop for uh, the PVV party. Uh, they are now, according to that single poll, uh, at 16 seats. Uh, down from 22 ish uh, down right? from 22 ish so that is uh, that is remarkable interesting um, again this is one poll we we are always basing uh, our uh, you know our opinions on the uh, poll of polls right. and the average polls of the Peilingwijzer. they included uh, uh, this poll as well and that sh- uh, their poll showed showed PVV uh, drop slightly not as no, uh, four, dramatically down four seats, I believe right yeah not as dramatically as the latest INO research uh, poll, uh, but the latest poll right now shows uh, the VVD at uh, 26 par- uh, seats. That's the largest party. Uh, PV- PVV at number two with 21. Uh, CDA next with uh, 20. D66 with 18, and GroenLinks with 17. So the, um, the 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 middle field is really yeah. It's, it's it, they are all tied basically. Right. Um, and what does this mean for a, uh, a possible coalition? Well, uh, 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 a center-right coalition between VVD, CDA, D66, that is the most logical uh, core of the next uh, coalition, in my opinion. Uh, they have 64 seats now, and you need a 76-seat right, majority. so they would need another uh, So party. they need another party, uh, a partner. Uh, uh, they could... Uh, work together with GroenLinks. Actually, that's the only option, I think, with 17 seats. Yeah, unless the PVD does particularly well, surprisingly, today and would have enough to (coughs) to push them over the edge. Yes, of course, this is all based on the latest polls, of course. We have to wait for the final poll, and that is, of course, the election result. Um, And we uh, can also expect 
For example, a left cabinet uh, with PvdA, SP, D66, GroenLinks, CDA, five parties. That's a lot of parties to form a coalition with. And but they is, have 81 seats. So and that's that, is, uh, that is what Jesse Klaver was calling for in one of the original debates, right? That they should uh, sort of lock <coughs> out the VVD and the PVV and form a sort of center-left coalition. Yeah, it was in the first debate. It was held in the uh, Rode Hood uh, yeah. uh, uh, stage. And uh, Jesse Klaver called for that. And it's now referred to as the Rode Hood coalition. Uh, uh, Coalition. coalition and uh, they do have a majority at least in the uh, in parliament but not in the senate not in the so senate. that will will probably be a problem for them would a coalition between the VVD, CDA, D66 and either GroenLinks or the PVDA have a have a majority in the senate yes they will have a majority in the senate so that is a based on that it's a it's a preferred coalition right um, and we can also look at the uh, right wing uh, cabinet with VVD and PVV but they have a combined seat number of 47 so that's not nearly enough for no. uh, and also it's very unlikely because the VVD um, uh, said uh, time and time again that they are not willing to work together whatsoever with the uh, PVV party yeah Rota uh, uh, sort of re- reiterated this at the debate on uh, Monday night when he was uh, debating yeah he said it in Wilder's face yeah, yeah so uh, that was so it seems very unlikely that that would happen yes highly unlikely yeah so so likely looking at vvde cda days and possibly hrun links i suppose it's uh possible that uh the pvd does enough to uh to uh to do a to to make that a, a reasonable coalition but yeah. yeah i guess we will see over the uh over the coming months or we'll we will we'll have some insight tonight as to uh or tomorrow morning early tomorrow morning um as to who at least the where where the seats are going to play out and then we will see the coalition forming over the next few months yes so the debates what uh what's been going on with them paul well, uh, last night we had the big debate of the Dutch Public Broadcasting Service, which included all leaders of the major parties, including PVV's Geert Wilders. It was held in the Tweede Kamer building last night. The broadcast was watched by 3.3 million viewers, making it the best-watched debate this election cycle. The debate had an unusual format for Dutch standards, with the leaders debating one-on-one over topics chosen by themselves, rather than a group discussion. Tunaun Kuzu of the Denk Party, founded by two Turkish and former PvdA MPs cancelled last minute, however stating that he didn't want to debate Jan Roos of VNL, accusing him of homophobia. Even though it's not unthinkable that Mr. Kuzu didn't wish to be asked about the weekend's Dutch-Turkish diplomatic escalation. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting debate format in the sense that it was a bit of a cage match where they yeah. sort of uh, had everyone debating kind of one-on-one, which was drawn uh, on, on lottery, right? So you sort of yeah, yeah. weren't sure who you were going to be. Well, they, they had announced it ahead of time but it wasn't sort of staged in any sort of way they basically drew lots to see who was going to debate who yeah and the topics were chosen by the party leaders themselves it resulted in some um yeah uh, 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 technocratic uh, yeah. Uh, debates for example um um rumor of the sp party wanted to debate whether or not the dentist should be in the basic insur- uh, health insurance right. uh, package um <laughs> which is a weird thing to debate about right? i think uh, the, the the night before um f- before the election but okay yeah so uh, uh yeah we did it wasn't sparkling it wasn't a fiery debate but it, it was it was interesting it was very it was a very wonky debate we would say so there was a lot of sort of technical kind of policy kind of nuancey kind of things uh, but we uh we are gonna go to our very own gordon derrick who watched all of the debates and uh has a lot of thoughts about uh about them and, and their uh and their impact on the election hello 
Hello, Gordon. <laughs> hey, Gordon. Hello, Paul. Hi, Mike. Uh, where are you right now? Yes, good morning. And right now, I'm uh, in Langerfotten, which is the street that runs just down the back of uh, Parliament Square. Oh, so you are in the heart of the democracy. Yes, absolutely. In, in the heart of Dutch democracy. And, uh, and the sun's out, and uh, lots of people cycling through Parliament Square and uh, stopping to vote. So, uh, yeah, it's an excellent weather to vote, right? It is, yes. Yeah, seems like a very nice day for voting. So maybe that'll uh, encourage more people to come out and vote. So, uh, you watched the debate last night? Uh, yes, uh, yes, so the, the, the kind of series of small debates, yeah. And uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think we saw what we've seen in all the rest of the debates uh, so far, um, that uh, most of the parties uh, played quite defensively, quite conservatively. There weren't any real clashes. Maybe the main clash for me was when uh, uh, Lord of Agassa of the Labour Party was lined up against uh, Heer Builders, and I think Heer Builders wants to tear Strip out of Asa and um, blame him for abandoning and betraying his voters um, through his immigration policy. But Asa fought back quite hard and uh, said that Wilders uh, uh, was going to make the Netherlands uh, an even smaller country with his, uh, you know, his plans to ban migration from Muslim countries and uh, close mosques and Islamic schools. We saw a side of uh, Lodewijk Usher that we hadn't seen before this election cycle, uh, hadn't we? I, I think we did, definitely. He, he, seemed to, he seemed to have had a, he's had a haircut, seemed to have been a fighter's haircut on, and uh, he definitely had, <laughs> had his game face on much more than uh, we've seen at any time during the rest of the debate. But it's maybe come a bit too late for him to turn around uh, Labour's fortunes. Yes, he, uh, he had a new haircut, we saw that, and, uh, and Wilders went through the uh, 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 very, uh, yeah. very bronzed. Uh, uh, yes, he, I think he's been treating, uh, for, treating from a pavement cafe somewhere, but he's definitely uh, caught the sunshine. <laughs> and uh, were there any uh, other outstanding uh, 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 debaters in the debate? I think other debaters, uh, I was quite impressed with the Kirtan Sakers of the Christian Union. Um, he had a slightly awkward debate the first time when he was uh, debating with uh, Mark Rutter about, um, uh, I think it was renewable energy, um, but they, they broadly agreed on the issue. There was sort of more debating than the money issue. But he had the final debate against the builders, and that was very interesting. Builders, um, because he, the parties got to choose their own subject, builders obviously chose Islam. And uh, he really wants to make his own monologue about his uh, his whole kind of uh, anti-Islam uh, platform that he's been on for the last 10 years. But Sekers took a very interesting uh, line against him, very much taking a kind of Christian, humanitarian, love thy neighbor kind of uh, point of view. And Wilders found it really hard to, uh, to get stuck into that the way he does with left-wing parties. So that was quite interesting, Sekers stand up to that. And I think Alexander Pechtold of D66 had a, quite a, a good performance. Uh, he was lined up against Thibaut Bumer of the Christian Democrats, and of course those two parties are very close in the polls. And um, Pechtold again was uh, rebuking Bumer for saying, um, uh, where were you during the last government period? Um, and at one point Bumer tried to put him off his, his stride by sort of patronizing slightly. And, and then uh, Pechtold was talking about his... Uh, uh, his previous career as a, um, in local government uh, and Bumar sort of started laughing and saying it's a lovely story and Bumar uh, turned, uh, sort of turned it around and said uh, you shouldn't talk about uh, you look so nice that's going to go down so well with the uh, TDA <laughs> which was a, a reference to uh, to a, a very notorious uh, TV moment when when former Prime Minister Balkanen uh, said to uh, his interviewer uh, uh, you look so sweet yeah that's right he, he said to the uh, female presenter you look so sweet it's his way of ducking a question came over as quite sort of sexist and patronizing. Yes, and it cost him uh, eventually the uh, the election. Uh, uh, what, what did you think about the uh, setup, about the format? It was uh, not a usual uh, setup for for Dutch uh, uh, debates. 
No, it was more one-on-one. I think maybe they were trying to uh, make it more adversarial in the way that you see with debates in, you know, the Britain or the United States. I'm not quite sure that that quite uh, worked in the sense that you, you didn't get the kind of heated debates uh, that they were maybe looking for. You got some quite, I think, mostly well-informed debates, quite courteous uh, debates between the parties. We started, of course, with some debates between the smaller parties, which was meant to be three-way, but then pulled out of their debates at the last minute. But then, uh, and those are more kind of... Um, uh, and those are less confrontational still. But generally, I think the setup uh, it kind of works. I think it's quite interesting to watch. I don't think it really is going to move um, very much uh, in the opinion polls. I'm not sure many voters are going to suddenly get swung by one party uh, or swung towards um, uh, one party on the strength of what they said last night. Yes, and there, there wasn't one uh, leader that really stood out, right? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I thought the best reform was Sikhs, but of course he's the leader of the Christian Union, and they won't get more than seven or eight seats because they have quite a small, concentrated uh, electorate. Um, so uh, yeah, and, and maybe yes, I could have performed reasonably well. You know, no one stood out. No one for being exceptionally good or exceptionally bad. Maybe Asa was a surprise that he was better than before. Uh, Sikhs was a strong performer. Ruta did what Ruta usually does, and Dilders did what we expect of him. So no, 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 no great surprises or. I thought uh, Wilders' performance, more so not last night, but the night before against Ritter, was a bit, uh, yeah, milk toast. I mean, I thought he was a little. It wasn't particularly impressive. He didn't seem to do very well, kind of with his usual kind of fire brandy rhetoric in this in this format. Did you do you think do do you agree with that, Gordon? I think it's uh, yeah. I felt like he was going through the motions a bit. I mean, the problem maybe that Builders has really is he's been doing this for 10 years now you know what he's going to say and so do all his rivals and, and, and they know how to respond to him now and certainly Asher I think came with a very clear plan to just counter-attack and I think that worked quite well for him um, Sagan's took a more kind of reasonable line but again that sort of just drew the sting from Builders really so yeah I think in both those debates uh, for different reasons he didn't he didn't get to dominate the way he often does um, in one-to-one encounters yeah and I think uh, Ruta on Monday had the best zinger of the uh, of the debates so far of saying uh, what did what did he say something about uh, how you this is the difference between governing a country and sitting on the couch tweeting yeah which was a, I yeah, think a pretty yeah. good line that came out of that so looking at the debates uh, uh, it wasn't a very exciting uh, election cycle wasn't it uh, no, it's all been very uh, dramatic. It's been kind of a stalemate, I think. Uh, most of the, uh, it's been sort of. I mean, people compared it to a, a nil-nil draw. I think it's been it's been a very defensive campaign, and certainly um, in the debate between workers and builders, it was a head-to-head where both men were basically saying the same thing, which was, you know, vote for me, otherwise you'll get him. So you know, yeah. no one's really had a really positive message. I think D sixty six and Cool Links have tried to be positive, but it's not really been 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 that convincing. Um, no, it's it, it, it's been a stalemate really, and that's part. That's mainly, I think, because parties are so closely together. People are more concerned about hanging on to the votes they got than trying to make uh, making roads into the other parties. Although, from the perception of the international media, man, this has like been a real knockdown, drag out kind of crazy election. I mean, it's been all over. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you have a different. Uh, sense of how it's playing out in the British press, but I feel like every time I turn around in the American press, they sort of have this: oh, it's builders versus everyone else. It's going to be an exit. It's they're going to ban Islam. Like it's been, it's been sort of portrayed as this real kind of uh, a slog of a fight that's been, you know, very intense. Whereas the sort of impression here has been a little kind of boring, like Paul was saying. 
Yeah, I think, I think the British press has been a lot of focus, obviously, on, on builders. You know, is he going to win the election? Obviously, they, they sort of frame it in uh, in the context of like British elections where you have a clear winner and you don't have clear winners here. But no, there, there's been a lot of talk about next in. What's been curious, I think, in the British press is that, uh, you know, there's it's, um, lot, it seems to be a feeling that the European Union or membership of the EU is at stake or has been an issue in the campaign. It just hasn't, you know, from, uh, from watching the debates and uh, following it in the, um, uh, in the Dutch media. So, yeah, there's definitely a discrepancy there that um, maybe, maybe it's uh, uh, the, the, the UK press has been looking to bring it back to issues that are playing out in the UK rather than... Uh, reflect what's uh, what's been going on in the Dutch campaign. Yeah, so for the international press, Willis is of course a new player. Uh, uh, no one ever heard of him, but for for us in the Netherlands, he's been walking around uh, the Parliament building for almost twenty years now. So we know him, but for the international press, it's a new face, and it and it fits the narrative of this one strong guy fighting against uh, the rest, right? Yeah, Donald this, Trump this sort of fighting against movement. the rest, Nigel Farage fighting against the EU. Uh, so it's fit it fits that narrative and. Uh, uh, that's why the international press is so interested in uh, uh, in Mr. Wilders and uh, and his uh, anti-EU, anti-immigrant um, uh, uh, opinions. Going back to what you were saying, Gordon, about uh, it, the being framed in the British press as a as a EU sort of related discussion, I've heard a t- there's been a ton of coverage of this in the American press as well, which is. S- sort of amusing because there's more discussion about the Dutch elections in terms of whether or not the Netherlands would leave the EU in the American press than there has been discussion about it in the actual election here. I mean, there's been more discussion about whether or not you should reduce the pension age to 65 or keep it and, at 67 and than the, whether or not you should leave the, the EU. Uh, yeah. And sing the anthem uh, on school, uh, uh, in the schools, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, I think the debate on the you know, right to die legislation has probably been more heated than the one about uh, the European Union. But yeah, a lot of focus in in the UK and the international press, is, uh, there's been this, uh, this phrase of domino effect. You know, we've had Brexit, we've had Donald Trump, and it's the Netherlands next in line to sort of be knocked down by this kind of tide of populism. Um, and then obviously looking ahead to yeah. elections in France and Germany. So I, I think that's where that comes from. You know, they're, they're very much looking at it. It's builders is, rep- is representing kind of you know, the, this new wave of populist leaders sort of challenging the establishment. But as Paul says, we've had him for 10 years. Uh, I mean, he's not new to Dutch voters. They know what he stands for. They know what he, what he, what he says and how he says it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think um, in the course of the election, actually builders, the main trend has been builders losing votes to the other parties. Yeah, which is not really a thing that you're sort of seeing. You know, I see a lot of these headlines, like builders is surging ahead. And like, no, actually, he's like mostly sort of slowly mm-hmm. falling behind. Mm-hmm. So it's been a little frustrating, I think, for me to, to be reading this kind of thing. Okay, Gordon, uh, uh, we thank you very much for your time. Uh, how are you going to spend the rest of your day? Uh, I'll probably spend the rest of the day uh, walking around uh, Parliament Square a bit more, doing some writing and uh, drinking lots of coffee. <laughs> and stalking Jesse Klaver. And stalking Jesse Klaver a bit more, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, send us some photos. We can put it on the on our live blog at dutchnews.nl. We will be covering the entire election uh, the entire day. Uh, Gordon, thank you very much uh, for your time and uh, see you soon back in the studio. Okay, all right. Bye-bye. As we said, the weather has cooperated for the election today, and we've heard lines are long at some polling stations. Uh, The line was quite long at the polling station in the Utrecht train station, according to my mother-in-law, who (laughs) sent some photos, which we put up on Instagram. Uh, If you're out voting today, please... uh, 
send us some of your snaps to molly at dutchnews.nl. We've been collecting the photos to use on social media. Uh, the NS works with the government to provide polling stations in a number of train stations around the country. And train stations are not the only odd place that you can vote. So, Paul, what are some of the weirder polling stations? Yeah, you can, for example, cast your vote in the uh, ADEM Tower in Amsterdam. It's uh, uh, across the uh, Amsterdam Central Station over the water. It's the uh, the high tower over there. You can uh, visit the top and you can uh, cast uh, your ballot over there. Uh, usually, uh, 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 the ticket costs 12 euros and 50 cents, but right now it's uh, for free. You can uh, vote there until uh, 7 o'clock tonight. You can also visit the uh, museum on the uh, ancient Egyptians in uh, Leiden. You can uh, vote inside a 2,000-year-old uh, Egyptian uh, temple, um, if you want. Um, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive, but yeah. you need to buy a ticket if you ah, want to. Ah, okay, so that's not free. Uh, this is uh, Molly's favorite uh, polling station. It's on an inhabited, reclaimed island. By far, this is the best polling station. As a matter of fact, if, uh, if I ever get to vote in Dutch elections, I think I may go to this uninhabited, reclaimed island in order to vote. Yeah, it's in the uh, Marker Mere. Uh, you can uh, visit it by boat, you have to uh, travel three and a half hours though to uh, be worth it. It would be worth totally it though. Worth it. And uh, so you can vote your, uh, you cast your ballot at the uh, inhabited island. Yes. I didn't know we had an inhabited island in the Netherlands. Uninhabited island. Uh, we have lots of inhabited islands. <laughs> <laughs> uninhabited yeah, yeah, ones yeah. that are. Um, if you are uh, in a uh, arty mood, you can also visit the uh, Gemeentemuseum in The Hague and you can uh, cast your ballot uh, next to a Mondrian, the uh, Victory Boogie Woogie, uh, if you want. That's very uh, uh, Dutch to be able to vote in Dutch elections by a Mondrian painting. Yes, uh, 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 you can get inspired by the uh, Mondrian uh, painting on yes. uh, how you want to... Uh, how you want to vote. How you want to color your, your, right. your, your, your box. Right. Uh, you have to do it by, in, with red, though, otherwise it's not, uh, not, not available. Counted. Uh, you can also, if you want, uh, bring your own pencil. That is allowed, but but it must be a red pencil. It must be a red. Uh, I pencil. wonder uh, if sales of red pencils in this country go up a whole lot around election day. Um, like they have like a special at the AKO at the train station <laughs> to uh, to buy red pencils. <laughs> yeah, you are provided with the red pencil, yes. but you can bring your you own can if, you, bring want. Your own if yeah. you want. Um, uh, the smallest polling station is in a living room in the uh, uh, Marle municipality in Overijssel. Uh, there you can cast your ballot in the uh, Wimmen Alley uh, household. Um, this polling station uh, existed since 1948, but there are only 49 uh, people that can vote in this uh, municipality. So they just uh, put the polling station in their so living room. So living room, that's yeah. amazing. And uh, you can get a free uh, free uh, a cup of coffee yeah, if you want. Maybe I would go vote with uh, Vim and Ellie instead. Yeah, the uninhabited it would be island. fun as well. And yeah. at five o'clock, they serve uh, a bowl. Oh, that's so even better. Even Sign more, me up for Vim and Ellie's living room. So are you going for the uninhabited island? No, or are you I'm going, going for, for the borough uh, every time, yeah. I think. ChristenUnie-leader yes. um, Gertjan Segers voted in that living room. Did he? Yeah. Is he from that part of the No, country? but you can, uh, you can... Yeah, of uh, course, you can vote wherever you want. Yeah, but you have to uh, apply for that in advance. Yeah. Um, another interesting spot to cast your vote is the top of the uh, Rotterdam uh, building right. uh, next to the uh, Erasmus Bridge in Rotterdam. Um, it's uh, designed by uh, a world-famous Dutch uh, architect, Graham Koolhaas, if you want. And uh, very American, Molly. You yes. can, uh, uh, there is also a drive-through uh, voting uh, station. That's amazing. Where is this? Uh, this is in uh, the Zuidplas uh, municipality. And I don't know where that is. <laughs> oh, it's in South Holland. Okay. Yeah, it's in South Holland. Oh, so it's nearby. Yeah, it's nearby. Okay. So you can uh, cast your ballot while you are uh, 
going towards uh, your work or whatever. Yes. Um, but it's not fully uh, a draft through, though. You have to step out to uh, to 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 color in your um, to color in your ballot. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, Paul, where are you going to be voting today? Uh, I'm going to vote in the uh, 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 city hall of Delft. It's a uh, very nice uh, 17th century uh, building, and uh, I'm going to vote there. And uh, it's very beautiful. It's yeah. Nice, uh, and do nice my to uh, do democratic it. duty. Nice. So I uh, I think that's all that we have time for because you have to uh, go off and vote and do your democratic yes. duty. Yes, it will, it will take me uh, one minute to uh, to vote and it will take me 15 minutes to unfold the... Uh, <laughs> the ginormous ballot yeah. paper thing. Yes. Yeah, the bed sheet. Yes, of course. Um, so we will be back later on this evening with an update uh, once the polls close around 9 o'clock, so you guys can check out that. Uh, otherwise, you can check out the live blog on dutchnews.nl. Uh, send us your photos of voting... Uh, um, of polling stations. Your, your STEM fees. We call it STEM fee. Okay, please send us your <coughs> STEM fee uh, to molly at dutchnews.nl. We're putting up a bunch of those on Instagram, which you can see at dutchnews.nl. Uh, we will be back uh, later on tonight. So enjoy yes. voting, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Yes.